So I- Welcome to Global Outreach Community Church, where we proclaim and demonstrate the love of God through Christ. Now, from the Overlook, located in Atascacita, Texas, here is Pastor Anderson with today's message. why we're slowing down long enough to really connect. So today I'm just slowing the train down to teach because so many times we come and we just want to and have a great time and, and as we say in church the spirit is high but the purpose of the church is to equip the people to help you grow and mature in your faith that you can go out into the community and impact more people. But what the church has become is a pot of consumerism. That we come and say, give, 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 give. Give me a blessing, give me a home, give me a car, give me a baby, give me a wife, give me a husband, give, give, give. And I posted this on our GOCC community group. Far too often, we ask God to give. And here's the question God is saying to you. What are you willing to give me? That we come so many times that we want the praise team to give. That we want the pastor to give. And we do that. And we want to do that in the spirit of excellence. But God is saying, what are you willing to give back to me? And we have to understand as we build this church, we have a lot of families out today traveling. My phone, ding, ding, pastor, I'm in so-and-so. I'm so- Great, God bless you. Have a great weekend. We have a church that's a professional church. Hear me this morning. Every church has a different identity. And the reason I did this last two weeks, have y'all realized this church is full of teachers, counselors, coaches, professional people, retired coaches, retired professional people. This is the makeup of the community. And every identity of a church is different. That the makeup of this church is that most of this church is highly structured and that you work 12 and 13 and 14 hours a, a day a week so for me to keep you two hours on a Sunday that's not maximizing your time that's not honoring you and I am so glad I'm slowing the train down today that God allowed me to be in the professional world before he called me to pastor because now I can feel what the people feel And so often in the pulpit, we drain and suck the life out of people, and we fuss at people who are not involved, but sometimes we're not involved because we work 12 hours a day, 13 hours a day, 14 hours a day, and the only time we have is on Sunday morning. We need each other. And my job is to lead out and up. And as shepherd and pastor, if I don't lead out and up, I'll kill this church. So this morning, we want to continue our series on we need each other. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. We need each other. So you have my commitment. We will not be an event-driven church. We won't be an over-programmed church. That we're going to maximize your time. We want you to grow in your faith. We want you to have some stability in your marriage, stability with your kids, stability in your home. And that comes by understanding what we're going to discuss this morning. So Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. You may be seated. 
verse 41. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. So then, those who received the word were baptized. And that day were added about 3,000 souls. They were continually devoting themselves to apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. They had all things in common so much so, watch verse 45, and they began selling their property and possessions, and they were sharing them with all as anyone may have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and the breaking of bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness, sincerity of heart. And here's verse 47, praising God, having favor with all the people, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. We need each other. If you're a Christian, you need to understand that you need the person that's sitting next to you. That God never designed the Christian faith, the body of Christ, this walk of faith for you to be on an island. And many times we are on an island because we choose to be on an island. Sometimes we're on an island because we've been hurt in the church as well as outside the church. And I used to hear this and I never understood until I had my first church hurt. There is no hurt like a church hurt. Because when you come into the walls of the church, you expect people to be for you. You expect people to encourage you. You expect people to applaud you. And when people pull you down, when people talk about you behind your back within the walls of the church, that's a hurt because we understand we need each other. So God expects believers to grow in their faith and grow in the word of God. First Peter 2 and 2. First Peter 2 and 2. I believe I put this down. If I didn't write it in your notes, it'll be on uh, the podcast. Like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word so that you may grow in respects to salvation. Worship is dynamic, but you don't grow through worship. Prayer is awesome. It's your way of connecting to God through prayer. But the only way that you grow, the biggest way that you grow as a Christian is to spend time in God's word. And if you never spend time in God's word, how do you expect to grow? So every other week, I meet with Minister Holmes and soon to be Minister Sweeney. And we just slow down long enough to talk about what it means to be a biblically-centric preacher, that we look at the Bible through the lens of the cross. And we're not preaching feel-good messages all the time. Because Bishop G.E. Patterson said this, if every time you get up to preach and people are smiling and people leave happy and they just like you, that is a disgrace to the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Because every now and then you have to preach messages that pricks people's heart, and by pricking their heart, it causes them to evaluate their life, and when they evaluate their life, they understand how to repent properly, how to turn to a change of heart, mind, that leads to a change of actions, and they celebrate God. So you grow by reading the Bible. So in this early church, Acts chapter 2, we see the 120, they were in the upper room. We're not going to go through all this because I want to maximize my time in these verses. So here they are. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. They speak in other tongues. And if you follow the flow, there were Jews present. And when the Jews who were present, they heard those, that's the 120, speak in their own language. So Peter gets up in verse 14 and he preaches a sermon, a powerful sermon. And he preaches a sermon from verse 14 all the way to verse 40 and their hearts are pricked and they are baptized and they are repented and they change their direction now we pick up at verse 41 in verse 41 I just want to look at three things three things this morning verse 41 through 45 three things number one they were devoted to God's Word devoted number two fellowship with other believers and number three they lived on God's mission together what would happen to global outreach and what would happen to the kingdom of God if we did those three things every Sunday morning if we did those three things every single week if we did those three things to the best of our ability under the anointing and in the anointing of the Holy Spirit trusting God for the results, what would happen to the kingdom of God if we focus on those three things day by day, week by week, and month by month? So I'm going to try to calm down because my wife got on me last night. You just be spitting. I say, hey, if spit hit somebody, wipe it off and let me keep preaching. <laughs> what would happen if we do those three things? So let's look at number one, devoted to God's word. Devoted to God's word. They continue steadfastly to the apostles' doctrine, to the teaching of the word of God. Here's the idea. So whenever you hear me here say Hebrew and Greek, the Bible was written in Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. So whenever I mention those terms, all I'm doing is saying, hey, when you do a, I'm getting seminary style, but when you do a proper exegesis, that means interpretation of the text, you understand what the word means from its original meaning. Here's the danger in the church. We take the word that's in the scripture and we go to Webster's Dictionary to define the word. Webster can't define a biblical word. A biblical word has to be defined from its original meaning. So I'm talking to you preachers. Can I give you an example? I just told it to the preachers. Psalms 1, blessed is the man. Preachers get up, you blessed. That means that you're going to get money. That word blessed in the original context means happy. That's all it means. Happy is the man. So be careful how you interpret words that are within the scripture. So Greek term for devoted. A group of people are together earnest, persevering, diligent, and devoted to something so it's diligence about the word, they're persistent and persevere in prayer, 
they didn't just listen to a sermon, they lived a sermon. And every single day, you have to live out the sermon in your life. Whether it's on podcasts, or whether you're watching somebody from TV, or your own personal devotion, you have to practice what you preach. And here's the biggest sign when we miss it. Our kids are an indicator that sometimes we don't practice what we preach. Well, mom, you're telling me to do this, but I'm watching you do this. And here's our response. Don't do as I do. Do as I say. That's hypocritical because you have to live the life that you are preaching in front of your children, in front of other people. So you have to be devoted. You have to persevere. You have to be diligent about getting in the word of God. You don't have to clap. I'm preaching this morning. You have to be devoted to your personal relationship with God. So they assembled together. They listened to the apostles. They heard from the apostles. They learned from the apostles. And then they started helping one another grow in their faith. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 11. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 11. Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another just as you also are doing. Our job is to build up one another. And that's why we're slowing down long enough to understand everybody's name, their occupation, their walk in life, maybe their history, because I can't build you up if I don't know about your life. I can't encourage you effectively if I don't know something about you. So I wanna encourage this church that as we grow and as we connect and as we fellowship, learn the name of the person next to you. Don't make this just a Sunday morning ritual. Make this a habitual habit that you live out every Sunday, that you live out in the office, that you live out in the classroom, children, that you walk around on your sports team, that you show that you are a living example of Christ by what you say, what you do, and how you live. How you live. So they were devoted to the apostles' doctrine. Devoted. So you grow spiritually by locking in on the word of God. So here's, here's a couple of things when you're devoted, and we'll move on. To apostles' doctrine, teaching of God's word, you'll grow spiritually. I said this before, coming up vacation Bible school, if you read your Bible every day, you'll grow, grow, grow. If you don't read your Bible every day, you'll shrink, shrink, shrink. Man, I used to hate singing that song every summer on vacation Bible school. But now that I'm 45, I understand that if I don't read my Bible on a consistent basis, I'm going to shrink. If the truth be told, we got this flesh. And y'all, flesh is hard to deal with. Have you ever just been caught in a bad situation and you really wanted to give somebody a piece of your mind? Can, can, can we be real this morning? Okay, y'all acting holy. Reverend Pastor Eric James Anderson this week wanted to give it to somebody. But I said, you know what? If I say what I really want to say, I'm going to hurt my witness. And if I hurt my witness, I'm going to hurt the church. And if I hurt the church, I'm going to hurt the kingdom. So I'm going to swallow that thing. And I'm just going to walk out. You have to learn that you'll grow spiritually. How you do that? By surrendering to Christ in every area of your life. In your marriage, you surrender. In your finances that you surrender. You model transparency with your own life. That means that, hey, 
It's all right that when you are in a connected group and you trust people and you value them that you can share your struggles. The problem with the church is that we come every Sunday morning and we act like we got it all together. Truth be told, you don't have it all together. You slip, you sin, but people think you have it all together because you don't allow them into your life. I'm transparent, but I also protect myself. So I'm meeting with Mr. Brandon, Minister Holmes. And we're talking. And I says, as preachers, these are things that you need to consider. Sin. Because preachers are not beyond sinning. And at the point, any preacher think that he doesn't sin, he's in trouble. So I said, ministers, you got to protect yourself. You have to have a, accountability partners. You need to be real about your issues. You need to have a growing, progressive relationship with your wife. Because your wife will make or break your ministry. And you have to make sure that you are loving your wife. But then to the congregation, you got to encourage people in the journey. And when you're devoted to God's word, you encourage people in the journey. So here's the second thing, fellowship. And here's where I want to spend the rest of my time, fellowship, fellowship, fellowship. So if you read the text in fellowship, the early believers were devoted in the context of community. Community. From Acts chapter 2, it took 300 years for them to have a local place of worship that was called a building. The church grew from house to house. And that's why you see house churches now. House to house with leaders that exemplified the word of God. So it was in the context so let's look at the word fellowship. In the Greek, it's the word kononia. It means one who fellowships, the willingness to fellowship, or have joint participation. Joint. That my wife and I lock my hands, babe. Just, just there you go. You won't say I didn't hold your hands today. I'm doing it right now. We're locked. We're locked. This is joint fellowship. But let me move over here. It's all right to be joint. We're locked. That boy got some big fingers. We're locked. We're brothers in the ministry. We have joint fellowship. One African-American to another. But watch this. Coach German, we're locked. My Anglo brother, raised differently. A different world. But it doesn't matter because the commonality is Jesus Christ. And that's why I don't fight over politics. We can agree to disagree, but our commonality between white and black is the Bible and the word of God. Stop fighting with people over Trump and over whoever. Learn to find the commonality of where you can agree and come together and be devoted in the context of community. That's fellowship. Man, I wrote so much on my notes, I'm not even going to get to it. But watch this, fellowship, fellowship. I'm going to follow the Holy Spirit today, fellowship. Breaking the bread. We just did that. Breaking of bread. Communion. We just fellowship. The active presence of Jesus Christ. Fellowship. But here's the second one. It's having a common meal together. Come here, Miss Anderson. Sit here. I only have one Miss Cheryl Anderson. <laughs> Sit here. Come here, Miss Patricia. Anderson, sit here. I'm taking my time because I want my children to understand too. Come here, uncle. 
Lee Milton, better known as Uncle Mickey, <laughs> sit right here. Sit next to your wife if you love her. Minister Holmes, come here real quick. Fellowship. Biblically, fellowship is eating together in the context of Acts chapter 2. And now we come together and we're breaking bread. And I'm getting to learn about Minister Holmes. My uncle's a deacon. I'm getting to learn about Deacon Lee Milton. I'm getting to understand some things about my Aunt Pat who lost her mother three weeks ago. She's not lost because she's with Jesus. So she's just made a transition. I get to listen to my wife and watch my wife minister to my auntie and my uncle and Minister Holmes get to know about my, my uncle. See, biblically, in ancient Eastern culture, the way you got to know people was over food, that you fellowship. And the host responsibility, when you do uh, proper, I'm sorry for being seminarian today, exegesis of the culture of that time, is when you do that, you understand that the host's position was to protect everybody in his home when he brought them in for fellowship. So not only am I having intimacy, but my job is to protect my friend. How do I protect him? Minister Holmes, what's your struggle right now? Oh, time management. Well, Minister Holmes, how's your calendar? Well, I'm everywhere. Well, Minister Holmes, let's start by looking at your calendar. How are you structuring your week? What are your four or five big rocks? How are you putting that in first? How are you maximizing your time? Are you putting in your date nights with your wife first? Because if that's not happening, Woe unto thee. If you're not putting in your personal time, woe unto thee. Minister Holmes, what are you doing? And now we're fellowshipping over food. Am I making it simple this morning? Over food. I'm teaching, not preaching today. Over food. Over food. It's over food. Food. So almost everybody in this church I've had dinner with, lunch with. Intentionally, unintentionally. Almost every family. Melinda, hey, we've been knowing each other for years. We are with you as your house. So we count that as fellowship over food. And when we fellowship over food, watch the miracles that happen in the church. Watch the signs and wonders that happen in the church. Because we take the time to fellowship over food. Thank you. Over food. Give them a hand. So it's breaking the bread, communion. And here we go, prayer. Stay right up here, Minister Holmes. Y'all pray for pastor, because I'm trying to follow the Holy Spirit. And half this stuff on here, I'm not even saying, but I'm going to be open to the Spirit. Prayer. So we are dependent on God. And when we depend on God in prayer, we understand that God will meet our needs. When they had a need, they came together and they prayed. In this church, when we get together over communion, when we fellowship over food, I know how to pray for him. Once or twice a week, we send each other text messages. What's going on, Minister Holmes? I need prayer in this area. Gotcha, dog. That's how we talk. That's slang. Gotcha, cuz. Gotcha, big fella. Pastor, 
How are you doing? I could once a week. Hey man, this has been a long week. I've worked literally 13 hours this week. I got you. So he now he knows how to pray for me. Fellowship. I hope you've been working out, Minister Holmes. Here's where we're gonna make it make sense. You gonna hold all these boxes. So you should have at least five key areas in your life. And this is how, when you fellowship, we know how to pray for you. Hold that. Bottom box, your family. Your spouse or your significant others. You got your children. This is stuff that we carry around every day. Mothers definitely carry their children on the heart all day, every day. It's almost like they go to bed with 10 suitcases on them because we compartmentalize as men, but women are spaghetti. Everything just winds up together. Children. But then your home and finances, your quality time. And then if your children in sports, almost every child in here is in two or three sports or extracurricular activity. So I hope you've been working out. You got your sports, right? So that's your family. You got your personal life. Yes, sir. You got your personal life. So in your personal life, you got to maintain your own spiritual health because it's not the job of the pastor to maintain your spiritual health. It's your job. Your physical health, meaning am I eating right? Am I exercising? Am I taking care of myself? Then your mental health. How are you mentally? But then you got the administration of your own personal time that if I don't structure my week, Miss German, my whole month is messed up because I don't administrate my life. You ready, Minister Holmes? Minister Holmes now has his career. So not only does he have to be concerned about his personal life and his family, but his career, his training, his education, the workplace relationships, who's hating on him, who's talking about him, who's trying to pull him back, who don't want him to be, uh, be a great director, who don't want him to succeed. Then he's got to think about retirement. What am I putting in my 401k? What am I putting in my Roth RA? Oh, man, I messed up so bad this time. My check was $700 less the other day. I said, what happened? I put too much in my Roth RA. And I said, can y'all give me that back? I knew I wasn't getting it back. But my God, I wanted that. And then some people get laid off. You have transitions in life. Watch this. Then you got your church. He don't know. I put a whole bunch of my T-shirts in these boxes. So you got your church life. You're serving at church. You're fellowshipping. Hopefully you have prayer and worship. You're giving of your finances because you understand your finances are not yours, but as you grow and mature in your faith, your finances invested in the ministry will help us accomplish our vision, mission, and purpose as a kingdom-driven church. And then there's outreach. And then we got our social life. Don't help him. Don't you help him. You got your social life. So in your social life, you got your own interpersonal relationships. Who you gonna hang out with? Who you gonna run with? Who you gonna help let be in your inner core? You have your relationships. You have time spent with others, and then you have your entertainment. Put these together, Minister Holmes. Oh, okay. yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Is it getting heavy? Yes, sir. Is life getting heavy? Yes, sir. Now here's the clincher. We gotta carry all this every day. And all of a sudden, life shows up. We got discouragement. We deal with doubt. We have stress. There's sickness. There's death. There's divorcement. 
Watch this. No, 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 no. Let us stay there. There's divorcement. That's not even a word. Are y'all feeling me? My wife wrote down divorcement. And she's screaming, oh my God, oh my God. I said, you know why? Because you're a perfectionist. We got people with a perfectionist attitude. And you want everything to be perfect. Everything will not be perfect. The music didn't even work this morning. But it doesn't matter. We still deal with being perfectionists. Then we got people that burn out. You're just doing too much. We have conflict. We have failure. We have fear. We run in with teenagers who give us negative influence. We have low self-esteem. We have doubt. Some of us being abused. We're getting bullied at school. We have betrayal. We have pain. Are y'all feeling me this morning? We have regret. We have addiction. We have depression. We're dealing with all this. And watch what happens. And I'm done. Come here, Selvin. Stack this back on him. You know why he's dropping this? Because it's heavy. It's too much. I'm stacking it on him. These are all important. But it's too much. And then when life hits and life pulls us apart, he can't juggle it all. That's why we need to fellowship, to pray for one another, to be connected that when life hits and this stuff falls, we can support him. We can walk with him. We can pray for him. We can take him to lunch. And we can understand how to meet needs. You know why? That's good. Because we're living on God's mission. I made that light, and he still couldn't hold it. How about your life? We need each other. I'm done. We need each other. Stack these right here. We need each other. And that's why it's important for you to be personally devoted to God's word. Personally. Three days a week, four days a week. Don't be legalistic, but you find out what works for you. Fellowship, communion, eating together, prayer, because of all this that's happening in our lives. And when we understand people are coming to the church every Sunday dealing with this, we understand how to connect with them. So here's what I want to do. I know it's unusual. I know it is. But let's just trust God to do something unusual this morning. Fellowship, stand up, fellowship, prayer. Thank you for listening. Join us each Sunday at 9.30 a.m. at The Overlook, located in Atascacita, Texas. Visit us online at www.globaloutreachcc.org. Remember, your life matters because it matters to Christ.